0: Um, but, uh, we thank the Lord for her and, uh, for the girls and they're a blessing to all of us. And so, uh, we will miss them today. They'll be back with us next week. And, uh, I, I encouraged her to spend this time with her family because, you know, we don't know how much longer we'll be able to do things like this, uh, with the restrictions coming down the pipe. So, um, I decided to stay. I was originally going to go and have a guest preacher, but I decided to hold the fort. All right. It also is hunting season. My oh, wife said that's why I stayed. But anyways, I stayed for some reason. I stayed for you all because I love you. And uh, so thankful we get to be together this morning. Let's go to John this morning and we'll return to John in chapter 3. We'll be further on in the text this morning. John in chapter 3. I hope you've had a great week as, uh, as I have. Uh, I hope you've had the joy of the Lord, encouragement. The Lord's been good this week. And I uh, thank him for all of his blessings to us. The Bible says he daily loadeth us with blessings. And uh, he is good. John chapter 3. I'm going to mention a verse in verse 30. And then we'll get into the text. I believe it's essential that we note this verse. John is, is speaking. Uh, he, is, he is speaking to his disciples. And he says the following. He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. He goes on and says, He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. And that he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony... Hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God hath not given his spirit by measure unto him. For the Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things unto his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth. On him. I'd like you to read that last verse together with me, if you would. Ready, begin. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Let's join together for prayer. Father, take your words and plant them upon our hearts. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. May that be the attitude and the spirit in our hearts this morning open our minds. And Lord, may it not just be business as usual, but may your Spirit touch our hearts today. May it be evident in our lives that Jesus is King. And Lord, may there be a fresh awakening of the presence of God in every life in this room. And Lord, especially for those maybe who have not yet been saved, Lord, that you would help them to put their faith in the Son of God. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I believe in these days we need more devotion and dedication to the Master. And John here describes for us a great distinction between the heavenly and the earthly. Between Christ and the world. And this morning the title of the message is A Great Distinction. We're going to look at this. A Great Distinction. Jesus says, I mean John says, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He says, He that cometh from above is above all he that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the, look what he says, earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. I love this text. Uh, last week we were challenged by the previous portion of this passage to come to the light. Come to the light. The Bible says he that Doeth evil hateth the light; neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So when we love God, we just come in and say, "Lord, Lord, you examine, Lord, you, Lord, you anything in my life, you just come in, shine your light in. I want to be clean and pure. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to be like that." And so uh, in John, in this passage, John three, he is describing several things, okay? Uh, John, who is closest to Jesus, he not only accounts for us how Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, he he tells how Nicodemus asked, how can I uh, inherit eternal life? And he says you have to inherit eternal life by being born again. There has to be a time and a place where you come and you put your faith in the Son of God. And Nicodemus was all confused, thought he would have to go back in his mother's womb. And Jesus clarified that and said, no, this is spiritual birth. Uh, That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The difference between light and darkness. A great distinction. And so then there's the greatest verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And the gift of Christ on the cross of Calvary, not just that he died, but that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he goes on and describes that those who have their faith in Christ don't live under condemnation, but they live in the light, and it's a beautiful blaze. Isn't it great to live in the light? It's rough living under condemnation. Uh, I think today in Christianity we have a big problem, and it goes like this. Uh, Is it okay if I do X? Okay, whatever it is. We should never be asking that to God. Uh, Lord, can I? Maybe it's a Lord, can I just not tithe? Okay, Lord, I don't want to give anything to you. I don't feel up to it. Uh, Lord, can I just, can I not go to church? The government said I shouldn't. (laughs) Um, Lord, can I just, whatever it is, whatever it is. Uh, There's questions today, and we have a culture that is running from God. Uh, I believe it's fun to walk in the light. I believe it's a beautiful thing to walk in the light, and Jesus is the light. Uh, my wife told me yesterday about how she was excited because she got to hand out one of these new tracks uh, at a gas station, and uh, she got to invite somebody to the Lord. Obviously, not to church, because they're not driving five hours to church, but um, she gave them one of these tracks, and there's new, there's new tracks in the lobby. You can grab one of these, uh, and so those will be available for you, and people like... Uh, these things, some, we're just trying to switch things up a little bit, and I know almost all of the ones I put out last week uh, of the great pandemic are gone, I'll put more out next week, okay? So this week you have the, uh, my testimony to give out, and uh, my wife shared that she enjoyed giving that out, and the lady was very excited to receive it. Uh, people need the light, people need the light. See, when Ahab and Jezebel ascend the throne, we're going to need some more light bearers, I do plan on preaching a sermon on that very subject. If you all don't know what I mean, you need to just use a little bit of imagination. Uh, 1 Kings 21 verse 25 says, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. You say they ain't married, that's right. But there ain't no difference. They both slept around. All right, so uh, stir the other up to evil. Oh, wow. I'm going to preach a message on when Jezebel and Ahab seek to ascend the throne. Not today, okay? But uh, that's going to be a good one right there. You know, it's tough to walk in the darkness. Uh, but today, I believe both, most professing Christians are living in darkness. In darkness. You say, what do you mean? Are you trying to be con- have condemnation? no. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world... ...and men love darkness rather than light... ...because their deeds were what? Too much of the church is involved in questionable behavior. Questionable behavior. Uh, It's tough to walk in darkness. We have cheap grace, which has little depth. We can learn much from Germany. We can learn much from what happened historically. A man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer... ...the great German pastor, theologian, martyr... ...and also he was a spy... He was asked back in 1943 the following question. How was it possible for the church to sit back and let Hitler seize absolute power? His firm answer was, it was the teaching of cheap grace. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipline. Grace without a cross. Grace without... Jesus Christ, says Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I believe he was right. Cheap grace. My friend, it's not enough to just accept Jesus Christ. There ought to be a life that exemplifies that I'm living in devotion to Jesus Christ. He that cometh from above is above all, John says. He is above all. He's speaking of Jesus But Jesus' followers ought to be living up there with Him. Ought to be living a life, we ought to be living a life closer to Jesus Christ. I want to show you this morning several thoughts. And the first is, uh, as we look into this great distinction, the first principle this morning is there is a constant subtraction. A constant subtraction. The great distinction is the result of several things. And I believe the first thing we see in our text is a constant subtraction. You say... How do I live a life of great distinction? Verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. A constant subtraction. I, I don't like subtractions. Do you like subtractions from your bank account? All right? You got everything's auto-pay now, you know. I don't like subtractions, okay? Okay. Um, I don't like subtractions uh, when it's time to pay taxes. Do you like that? I mean, I don't like subtractions, okay? Um, I don't like subtractions from so many different areas in life. Do you like it uh, maybe uh, when your friends move away, okay? They're subtracted from you. We don't like dealing. We like it when friends come. We struggle. Maybe when your relatives move away, somebody you love moves away, you deal with that subtraction. In the Christian life, though, there ought to be a continual subtraction, a continual removal. The filling of the Spirit is in accordance with the subtraction of self. Look in Luke 15 as we see this. Luke 15, verse, uh, 16, verse 15. Luke 16, look if you would in verse 15. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. and The uh, Bible says back in 14, the Pharisees also were covetous. They heard all these things, and they derided him. So they're mocking the Son of God. In verse 15, he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Jesus says the Pharisees justified themselves. So they made themselves Righteous. That is the opposite of verse 30 in John 3. He must increase, I must decrease. And so it's continually, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. Lord, I want you to be first in my family. Lord, I want you to be first in every area of my life. Lord, I want it, my, myself to decrease. I want less of me, more of you. That which is highly esteemed among men is, he says, an abomination to God. A constant subtraction. So the filling of the Spirit is in accordance with the subtraction of self. God can't fill something that's already filled. All right, And if we we're honest, sometimes we're filled with self, aren't we? Pride gets in there. Nasty pride. mean, it's rough, isn't it? And it gets in there and it takes control of some situations in our life. And God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. He must increase. I must decrease. John is here dealing with the disciples. And they're arguing with John and they're debating with John because Jesus is baptizing more people than John was baptizing and they're upset about it. And John says, by the way, i got to decrease, he's going to increase. Okay, guys, quit focusing on the crowd, focus on Christ. And John was drawing their attention back to Jesus Christ in the context. So there's a constant subtraction. Jesus first, self comes after that. Also, there's a transformation that's unlimited to those who will bring empty vessels. A transformation that's unlimited. When it speaks of he must increase, Is there any limit to which God can increase in your life? Okay, So God wants us to not just have a little bit of God. He wants us to have all of him. And by the way, we ought to spend our entire life seeking that. Okay, Seeking after the Lord. Lord, help me to grow nearer to you. Lord, help me to increase more. He must increase. I must decrease. There ought to be subtraction so there can be an increase. I think too often we focus on thing increase. Okay, We focus on what we can add to our Christian life. Uh, I'm going to add uh, a little bit more faithfulness. I'm going to add a little bit more of this. And then it becomes a work. Instead, he says, you know what? I want you to subtract. Subtract so I can fill. Subtract so I can enter in and make you, your life more. The life of the Christian, the life of distinction, is a life of subtraction. The not, this is not the way of the American idol, is it? Right, Um, earn your way up, puff yourself up, win the prizes. Okay, get the golden button. Uh, We live in a in a culture that exalts men and exalts worldly things, and Jesus is saying, "I want you to be less of self, more of Christ. Less of self, more of Christ." Also, there's a compelling conversation. This is where it gets really good, really good. Verse thirty-one. He that cometh from above, okay, we're speaking of Christ, is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly. Hey, what a distinction, all right? He says there's one that's from above, there's one that's of the earth, and they are polar opposites. And today we have a, a culture that's mixing the two, trying to mix the two. And my friend, you can't mix the two. You can't mix light and darkness. It's either darkness or it is light. Uh, even a lost person. I was speaking with a gentleman this week at a tire shop and and doesn't even know Christ, but he said, you know what, for me, it's black and white, it's truth and it's error. And I mean, you know what? Jesus shoots straight. Uh, He shoots straight. A compelling conversation. He that is of the earth is, he says, earthly and speaketh of the earth. Hmm. This is good. He speaketh of the earth. Now, we understand Jesus is who he's describing here, okay, in the first place. But he's also describing uh, others because he describes those of the earth. He says, he that cometh from heaven is above all. And that which he hath seen and heard, he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. So there's a compelling conversation. Isn't it true? Brother John, you would testify this. Isn't it true that when you start to seek the Lord, sometimes you realize some Christians don't want to talk about God? That's, what, that's the first thing Brother John mentioned to me in discipleship. We started meeting for discipleship. He goes, man, some Christians just don't want to talk about Jesus. That bugs me. You know, when you get saved, that ought to bug you. And you know what? The more we're saved, we get used to not talking about Jesus, and we talk about life instead of Christ. We talk about things instead of Christ. A compelling conversation. My friend, uh, it ought to be something that, yes, we got to talk about life. We got to deal with the things of life. We need to discuss things, but we ought to focus more on Him and His Word. It ought to be that your friends in this place hear you talk about His Word, about something the Lord showed you. It shouldn't go by a whole year that we don't talk about something God showed us from His Word. Because if it's that long, my friend, there's a death in the life. We're dying on the inside if we can't talk about Christ. If he's not doing something, we need help. May God help us. A compelling conversation. He, that is, he said, from above is above all. And he says that he that is of earth speaketh of the earth. Mm. Speaketh of the earth. It's easy. There's some things I like, okay, in life. Some things I enjoy. I have fun with some things, all right? And uh, I, I have little hobbies I pick up here and there and do things. You, know, you guys know I like hunting. Uh, I, I ran across the path of a, a man, and he loves sports, and uh, he, he started asking me about sports things. And I said, you know what, my friend? I'm sorry. I don't have a clue, all right? I don't have a clue, all right? No interest there. No interest there. Um, does that mean those who like sports are worldly? I'm not saying that. But anything can be, can be worldly, okay? Uh, anything can become uh, can take the place of Christ in our life. The focus of the Christian is higher. The compelling conversation is a conversation that is higher. I believe God wants to us to use our our, uh, our talents to use our interests to talk to others all right and uh, some of you all know that I have uh, different a passion I, I mentioned you know I was thinking about something I wanted to get a tractor you know and so uh, my wife and I've been talking about this for several years and uh, I've been compelling her you know in these areas about that I really needed one you know um and the church gave me one last year but Gwenny's using that um and uh, it works really good no gas but um I went out and I said, you know what, there's a young man selling one really cheap, and I got it. And it needs a lot of work, and I'm going to fix it up. I bought it for like a quarter of its value. And, uh, and so uh, you all know I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good deal. It's got to be a good deal. And so I found a good deal, and, and uh, I got this little thing, and I'll be able to use it for the hayride next time. And all these things thinking about, you know. Um, but you know what? That's just a piece of rusty metal, okay? And that's the way I look at it. I do like it, all right? I haven't posted about it on social media yet because um, I try not to distract. I put it on the, the MeWe account, okay, but um, not on Facebook. And so, uh, but you know what? It's, it's just a piece of metal. It, it's a cheap piece of metal, really. It's 1955 and the thing's old. It's ancient, all right? I mean, it was, my parents were only three and four when the thing was built, okay? I mean, it's, it's been, it's, it is old. But it still works. And uh, you know what? I'm using it. And I told my wife, I said, I want to use it to build relationships. Sure enough, the moment I had not only unloaded that thing off the trailer, and my neighbor was over here talking to me. I said, conversation piece right there. All right? And uh, I just went to the hardware store a couple days ago. Had to get something. Okay? And I spent 50 cents uh, to buy a little bolt and got to talk with the hardware guy. And guess what? He's all into it too, okay? Conversation, got into that, but then you know what? You spin it right around back to the Lord. It's giving me a way to talk with people. I've been at several places. In, I've already met about four new people just because of this little piece of rust. And, uh, and I get to talk to people. So I, I try to do things in life uh, with a motive behind it, okay? I, I want to build relationships, okay? So everything that I acquire and try to do, I'm trying to build relationships with people. Why? Because I want them to get to know my God, all right? So... Uh, that might mean that I I get involved with a little bit of something so that I can be invested in something they like so that I can get to build a relationship with them. Um, And I believe that as Christians, we can sometimes live a life that's so sheltered from anything that we can't relate to people okay so we've got to be able to relate to people find ways to connect with people and i'm not saying you all should go buy a tractor but there's just things we can do to try to connect people you might want to join a a quilting group but if you join a quilting group you'll be part of a gossip party probably but um, um there's different things you can do to try to connect with people find common interest but then focus the conversation onto christ Turn the conversation back to the Lord. And uh, there's a young man I've been trying to witness to. And you know what? He's all into it. He says, now I'm going to go get me one, all right? So I'm looking forward to this 19-year-old and me uh, being able to turn wrenches together and maybe him putting his faith in Christ soon, okay? Trying to build relationships with people. uh, For one goal, I want them to come to Christ. That ought to be the goal behind everything we do. Uh, The focus is higher. Colossians 3 Tells us to set our affections. If you're joining me there. Uh, Colossians 3 in verse 1. Colossians 3 in verse 1. Set our affections, he says, on things above. I love this passage. Colossians in chapter 3. Verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. He says, if, man, if you've been born again, seek the stuff that's up in heaven can't take any of this with us where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God set your affection on things above not on things on the earth set your affection on things above not on things of the earth we have to constantly die to our affections affections seek set submit in this passage he's discussing seek, Set, submit. So, we seek the kingdom of God, we set our affection on the things of God, and we submit to God. In this passage, he deals with all these things. He says, set your affection on things above and on things of the earth, for you're dead and your life is saved with Christ in God. Dead is submitted. When Christ, who is your, our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. Mortification is referring to submission. Death to self. Ooh, ties right into the first part of the message. Death to self, a constant subtraction. He says, uh, what things should we mortify? Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. The focus is higher, and the fellowship is deeper. See, there's this compelling conversation. I'm not just going to talk about the things of this earth. I'm going to bridge to the things of God. The conversation will be about him. He that is of the earth speaks earthly, he says. He that is of heaven speaks heavenly. Uh, now there are some people that God has allowed to bless our church in the last few years and, and uh, God has blessed these people and and uh, they live out of state, but they say, you know, we want to be a blessing to Calvary Baptist Church. And we thank God for that. Uh, there are people who, who donate to this ministry and, and uh, are a blessing to this ministry who probably will never, ever sit, step foot inside this building. But they want to be a blessing and an encouragement to this church. And my friend, we thank God for that. Uh, they set their affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And sometimes we look at people who have more than we do as if with jealousy. Sometimes those people are more God gives them more because they're more generous, okay, with what they have been given. Uh, they're going to give it to the work of God. They're maybe wiser with handling the resources God has given them so that they can then help for and move forward many works of God. I have several friends that I know that, that donate to ministries all over the country, helping with the works of God. They're in the retired years. They have wisely handled things, and now they're helping others Spread the gospel somewhere else. Okay, using those resources to help somebody else. Using those resources for the kingdom of God. And the one thing that many of them will ask me about are important things like, they'll say, uh, I'm concerned about that people are being one to Jesus Christ, okay? I'm concerned about the gospel going forth. I want the gospel, and then I'm concerned that you care about what Jesus says, uh, that you care about important issues in the Bible, that you care about uh, what the Bible says about the man and the woman, that you care about what the Bible says about the child in the womb. Things that are important to God. Those things are very important to God. And I believe God wants us to make our focus The fellowship deeper, the focus on Christ. He that is of the earth is earthly. He that is of the heavens, he that is of Christ speaks of the conversation that's higher. Seek, submit. He says, "Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth." A compelling conversation. Also, we see in this text back in John chapter three, verse thirty-six, we see a concrete salvation, a concrete salvation. There's this constant subtraction God wants to have happening in our life. You say, that sounds horrible. No, it's great because then the Holy Spirit can come in. And uh, by the way, if you subtract and don't let the Spirit in, you're going to be in trouble Okay, because something else is going to come in. Uh, A compelling conversation. We want to have a conversation that's about the Lord, that's about the things of God, that's that's turning back to the things of God. I had a conversation with somebody this week, and this person we have been praying for, and uh, I won't mention their name, but we've been praying for this person, and and asking God to bring salvation to this person as they're in in entering into their 80s and, and dealing with tremendous, tremendous health issues. And, and God is using situations, and the person with tears in their eyes was talking to me this week about the Lord. Uh, I was talking to them about the Lord. But you know what? I'm telling you, the moment I started the conversation towards God, we switched the topic to something else. I mean, the moment I mentioned the Lord, the topic changed. Why? My friend... He that is of the earth speaks of the things that are earthly. And I tell you, in these, in these times and when we think about thoughts of dying, sometimes uh, there's a hardness towards the things of God, and it's sad. There's a hardness towards the gospel. There's a hardness towards uh, the fact that Jesus saves. There's like a lack of desire to want to talk about it. And by the way, if I love somebody, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Amen? If you love them, you keep bringing it up. And I'm going to keep bringing it up. I don't want to let the soul slip from, from us without having clearly heard the gospel from my lips, without having clearly had the opportunity to trust Christ and pray with me to that end that God would open the heart of this individual. The Bible says John 3:36: He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath Of God abideth on him as a sad, sad portion of scripture. John 3.16, he says, I love you so much. God loves us so much that he sent his son to save us. Verse 20 verses later, he's describing for us that if we do not believe, the wrath of God abideth. So there's love from God giving eternal life. And then here he ends the chapter on a sad note. He says, man, if you reject this great love, You're under the wrath of God. If you reject this love, you're under eternal damnation. Eternal separation from from God in a place called hell. See, there's a concrete salvation. When we put our trust in Christ, the mark of a true believer is that he is satisfied with the Savior. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes on and he speaks to the woman at the well. By the way, he's going to get her to a place of faith. He says in verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him, he says, a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. He says, man, you trust in me. You trust in me, you're going to get a satisfied taste. Don't you like it when the taste is satisfying? When it's good? When there's a good flavor to the meal? Spiritually speaking, we ought to have tasted of the Lord in such a way that we're satisfied. Are you satisfied with Jesus today? Are you satisfied with Jesus? Is he enough? Or do you need something else to still satisfy you? Not satisfied with our personal growth, okay? We should never be, often we get satisfied with, ah, I'm spiritual. I'm, and that we, we stop growing, we stagnate, we get stagnant. Okay? So there's a satisfied taste. Uh, not satisfied with growth, but satisfied with who Christ is. The mark of the true believer is this satisfaction with the living water. And then look on, if you would, in verse 14. He says it will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So this concrete salvation gives us a satisfied taste. How do you say, how do I know I'm saved? There's a satisfied taste. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe on the Son of God. I have my faith in Him. It's concrete. It's settled. It's settled. He is my Savior. I am depending upon Him, not upon my good deeds, not upon some prayer I pray, not upon some baptism, not upon some church membership. I'm trusting in Christ alone. And that concrete salvation is where I'm anchoring my soul, satisfied with the taste. You know what? There's a dissatisfaction today with the taste. Uh, They've gone into another gospel that is not the gospel. Okay? Uh, There's a dissatisfaction with the taste. And there's also a lack of a fresh spring. He says, a well of water springing up. Too many dead springs today are claiming they have water of life. Uh, Poland water, Poland spring water comes from Maine. I believe they were recently bought back a few years ago by Nestle Corporation. But uh, Poland spring water, they they claim this water is so pure and so perfect. I, I, by the way, don't buy it. It's a little too expensive for me, but uh, for my taste. But um, they, this Poland spring water comes from these aquifers in Maine, and they, they say it's the best. And uh, this water, uh, of course, that's where we think we're getting it from. And uh, they, they send this water, and, and they, they buy this. You, get the, you buy this water from them, and uh, you, you can have it. It's supposed to be the purest water. It's fresh. And uh, you say, oh, wow, it came from Maine. It must be the best up there where the tree huggers are. It must be great. And by the way, up there, they'll take and they'll, they'll uh, cut, if you, if you have a house close near their area, uh, they will buy up the house at top value, and then they will bulldoze the thing, pull it out, environmental, take it, take it away in a dumpster, and they'll plant beautiful grass there because they're preserving the watershed, preserving the land. And uh, they're so focused on preserving that fresh water that they'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to preserve another little half-acre plot of that, that ground. I believe there's a price we have to pay to keep the fresh water coming in our lives, okay? And if Poland Springs is willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get fresh water, I believe as a Christian we ought to be willing to pay whatever price it takes... Just allow the Lord to subtract whatever's holding us back. Remember Jesus said, if you're going to come after me and your right hand's offended you, cut it off. Whatever's holding me back, I'm going to pull it out so that I can let Jesus Christ be first and I can have a concrete salvation. I can have my faith in Christ alone and have a fresh spring of water come into my life. Now what happens to these fresh springs? Sometimes they get contaminated. And we have to, as a Christian, if we've allowed sin in, we have to recognize where it is, repent Confess it and forsake it if the water is going to keep coming fresh. And that might be a sin of bitterness. That might be a sin of pride, whatever sin it is. Here in this verse, though, uh, we see a sobering conclusion. To live without faith in Christ is to be under the eternal wrath of God. Back in verse 36. The eternal wrath of God. But the wrath of God abideth. You say, what does the word abideth mean? In English, usually we don't use that continual action word. It's speaking about an action that keeps going on. The wrath of God abideth. So it's not like God was just angry with you, okay? God's anger rests on those who reject Christ. That's a sad place to live. Literally under the pressure of the wrath of Almighty God for all of eternity. Why? Because we reject the free gift of eternal life. A concrete salvation. It's either a concrete salvation firmly grounded in Christ, or I'm trusting in self, doing my own good deeds, and there's no water of life in my soul. Jesus tells about this woman at the well in verse uh, verse uh, 36. Yes, okay. Yeah, let's read verse 36. He says, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Herein is that saying true. One sowed, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereupon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye entered into their labors. Look in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. What made this woman so different? She had a compelling conversation. She had a compelling conversation. She had tasted of the fresh water of life. She had tasted of Christ. She recognized he was different. She recognized he is holy. She recognized that he loved her As an individual, as a person, and he loves you today and he wants to save all who will come unto him by faith. And then he wants the saved to live a life, a distinct life of subtraction so that God can fill us up. Of subtraction, a life filled with a conversation that's pleasing to the Almighty God and a life that is sure in our faith, a concrete salvation settled in the Lord. Look, if you would, as we close this morning, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation is one of the more sobering books in the Bible. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21, verse 27. Speaking of the beautiful city of God, the Bible says back in verse 23, The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Okay, And it says, The nations of them that are saved shall walk in the light of it. Now look in verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination, nor maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible describes this beautiful city. Beautiful city. He says all the nations of them which are saved shall walk therein. He says, the kings of the earth do bring it, their honor and glory unto it. The gates, he says, won't have to be shut. For there shall be no night there. It's a beautiful place. It's a place of fellowship with the eternal God. But then he says, some won't be there. The liars and they whose part, he says, is not written in the Lamb's book of life. May I ask you this morning a question? Is your name written down up there my friend if your name's written down up there God's your witness it's not because of some prayer you prayed in a church it's because of a place of uh, faith in your heart when you came to a place of faith you put your faith in Christ it might have been through a prayer but it wasn't the prayer that saves you it's putting your faith in the person of Jesus Christ whosoever believeth on him believeth on him has there been a time and a place where your name was written in the book of life you say I wasn't in heaven I don't know The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. How do you know? You know because you come to him in faith. The Bible says, whosoever cometh unto him, he will in no wise cast out. You come to him believing in the Son of God. You come to him having confessed Having fully identified with Christ, you're not ashamed of his name. You've put your faith in the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, as Corinthians describes the gospel. And you say, you know what, I'm trusting in that concrete salvation. I'm trusting in what he did. It's all what he did. And I'm coming to a place where I say, he, it's what he did. And I'm trusting in what he did for me. And I put my faith, and it, it often, uh, in, our ha- in, our, in our heart, it happens in a place where we kneel down before the Lord, and we say, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again. And today I put my faith in that truth. Today I put my faith in Christ. As many as received him, he gives the power. Often we don't have the power. Why? Because we're not saved. Often we don't have the power. Why? Because we're not clean. The world needs more Christians who have a great distinction. Who live a Christ, in a Christ-like manner. Like manner. Empty of self, filled with the Spirit of God, full of godly conversation, speaking of the Word, searching the Word. May God give us more Bereans who searched the Word and then settled in your faith. I pray God will speak to our hearts about this this morning and help us to settle this issue uh, and to have a, a distinction that is pleasing to the Almighty God. I want the world, and I believe, I want the world to look at my life and say there's a difference. There's a difference because of Christ not something fabricated by man because of Christ. And I pray that's your desire. I, you want the world to be able to see you, not, for, not because you want to be proud, but just you want others to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I pray that's the desire of your heart this morning. Let's bow for prayer. And uh, let's seek the Lord right now and ask him to speak to our hearts. Let's stand together. As we take a moment this morning, let's just do business with the Lord. I want to thank each of you who watched by way of live stream, and we're going to close out the live stream at this time. And uh, thank you for joining us today. May God bless you. And uh, hopefully you'll watch in next time. We'll look forward to that time as well. But for those of us who are here in the house, I want to encourage you right now, take a moment where you're at in your seat. And you say, uh, today's a little different. It is a little different. We, We sang a few different songs. And I want to ask you, are you still shackled by the heavy burden, neath the load of guilt and shame? Or my friend, has there been a time where the hand of Jesus touched you and now you are no longer the same? It's one or the other. You're either still under the burden of sin, or you've been delivered by the Savior, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And if you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, is there still joy flooding in your soul, or would you be honest with God this morning and maybe say, you know what, Lord, there's an area that's cloudy. Lord, there's an area where I need help. Lord, would you help me to be empty of self so the Spirit of God can fill my heart this morning. This morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If you do have questions afterwards, I will be in the back. But I'm going to ask you right now, in a moment, I'm going to play the guitar. I'm just going to ask you to take this time. You want to pray coming forward. You want to pray in your seat and just to do business with the Lord. As our heads bowed and eyes closed, just take a moment to pray. You want to pray down front. You can sit on the pew and pray. You can kneel down here. You can respond however the Lord leads you. And encourage those of you who remain in your seats to be in an attitude and spirit of prayer and to seek the Lord. Ask the Lord to work in our church and bring about a great revival. Let's take a moment to do business with the Lord this morning. However, the Lord might lead you, don't be afraid to come forward and pray, my friend. If God's working in your heart, uh, if God's working in your heart, you just come right up and do business with the Lord. I believe God ought to work, wants to work in all of our hearts this morning. Just as I
1: am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed.